0: Welcome to Hope for the Heart. Thank you for joining us today as I bring a message today on the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 13. My name is William Rogers and we're going through this book uh, as close to verse by verse as we can possibly do it. Uh, The text for today is Revelation chapter 13, verses 3 and 4. So if you have a copy of God's Word, I do invite you to join me as I go through this passage so you'll understand a little bit of the context. Beginning in verse 3 of Revelation 13, the Word of God reads, And I saw one of his heads as if he had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to wage war with him? Well, if you've had a chance to listen to last week, I, you, you know who this is, the the beast is the one we're calling the antichrist. The dragon is Satan himself. That's how the passage begins in verse one, and, I, and he stood on the sand of the seashore. It refers back to Revelation twelve seventeen, and that is uh, the dragon is there. And so uh, the the dragon is here, Satan. The beast is here, the antichrist. And so we're looking at who this man is and what kind of authority. And power he will have and today we're looking at the fact that the world will begin to worship this man well what is going to draw the world to him why will the world accept this world lead? why will they accept him as and recognize him as a leader of the world and I think the short answer to that is he will have answers there will be mass confusion on the earth uh, because of the tribulation period uh, starting, uh, there will be. Uh, in fact, the book of Revelation, we find him first mentioned in Revelation chapter 6, uh, bringing world peace. Well, it, the fact that he's going to bring world peace it means he's probably going to already be in high power somewhere. But he's going to be able to offer answers and solutions. And well, the first thing he's going to do is to offer a seven-year peace treaty or covenant with the nation of Israel. And that will allow them worship in their temple and the rebuilding of their temple. And so that is going to do a lot for that. But he's going that's going to be short-lived. As you have been following along, then you know that his greatest reign or his most dreaded reign, depending on how you look at this, uh, the most feared reign of his will begin during the halfway through the Great Tribulation or through the tribulation. Tribulation period. Now, why will the world accept this man? And I just want to remind you that the conditions are going to be right for him. I think already in this world, as I have already mentioned, that much of the world is asking for someone to step up to the plate and to begin to give answers. As you know, our world needs answers. But it needs it's going to need a lot more answers as things progress into the tribulation period. And that's when he's going to shine. You need to realize that a dictator never thrusts his rule upon people from the top down without some provocation. And inevitably, a man rises to this kind of rule because of chaos. When the chaos gets so bad and there's no answers, no solutions, you have the perfect situation for leadership to develop. That can be that way in a company, a corporation, a business. But that's going to be the way it's going to be in the world during the beginning of the tribulation period. That is true of any kind of leadership. Leaderships are born in crisis. Leaders rise to the midst in, uh, with unsolvable problems, which we mentioned last week. Leaders come to the top when there's no solutions. And it's the frightening, horrible chaos of the world that's coming upon this world. This man is going to be able to rise. He's going to be empowered by Satan. And he's going to be able to take authority in the midst of what is going to be a world emergency. And I think uh, he's going to be a, a, a very successful in this. And I have mentioned this on, on a couple of occasions, that, that, that his rising will be uh, quite an extraordinary thing for the world to be able to observe. Now, as the tribulation period progresses... Uh, It's going to be one that's going to need to be answered as to who this man really is and should the world worship him. Now, I don't know how the news is going to cover him. I don't know what kind of a format uh, will be uh, how he's going to really enter and what he's going to do. But he will have solutions. Well, for solutions for what, you might ask? Well, one thing is when the rapture happens, there's going to be a big disappearance perhaps not as big as we might think, but there will be lots of people suddenly missing. Uh, And it's going to cause uh, a lot of of chaos, at least in some areas it will cause major chaos. So from the position of power, which he gained because of the chaos, uh, he is going to begin to rule. And this rule is going to be uh, given to the world uh, in, in a way that's going to be believable. In fact, one of the things I keep thinking about, as I as I'm, even as I'm beginning to speak now on this message, is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where it says, uh, in chapter 2, verse 9, talking about this one known as the Antichrist, that it, he is one coming in accord with the activity of Satan. And it says, with all power and signs and false wonders. Now, He's going to be able to do all of that. He's going to have power. He's going to have a su- supernatural yet spiritual power given to him by Satan himself. And so it's going to, I guess, take the world by storm uh, with because he's going to be able to utter things. And the world, guess what? They're going to believe him. And no matter what he says, they will believe him and they're going to believe everything about him. Now, This is conditional, and as we go through this week and next week, I'm going to be able to show you from the scriptures just how it is the world is going to believe him and to really what extent they're going to believe him and how many people will believe him. Will all the world really pitch in and and believe him? Well, look at Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, for example. It says, And all who dwell on the earth, you got that? All who dwell on the earth will worship him. But you think, why? Why will they worship him? Well, I want to give you, there's two parts to this outline today, and it's very simple. One is, the first part of the outline is the wound. He's going to receive a wound. And the second part of the outline is the worship. Now, the worship is going to take us into next week, partly, uh, or mostly next week. But we'll begin be going uh, to get into some of it this time. So first, I want to look at the wound. It's found in verse three of Revelation 13. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. Now that is uh, brings up an interesting, interesting point. Uh, How will he become God of this world, or God to the world? How will he get so much power? Well, they're going to be amazed at him, and they're going to, I guess, be in awe of him. It seems to be he's connected in some way to these heads, which we know have identified the seventh head. And the words is, uh, in in, in verse 3, says, one of his heads, remember he has seven of them, Seven heads. This is the beast. This is The Antichrist won't have seven heads. But this is the image that John sees as the beast with seven heads. And one of the heads is identified as having a wound or being slain as a fatal wound and it was healed. So the question begins to be, what kind of wound and just was it really fatal? In other words, does the Antichrist receive a deadly wound and yet, a miracle happens, because look at what else the verse says. The fatal wound, his personal, meaning him, his fatal wound was healed, and the whole earth was amazed. So, it really begs the question, what is this? If the seventh head is representing, or the seven heads are representing seven previous world uh, uh, empires, and the seventh one is the revived Roman Empire, then perhaps it relates to that. Well, I don't know how that... Well, we're going to take a look at that. But first I want you to notice the word slain. The word slain here doesn't seem to communicate to us exactly all that we would know or want to know. As with most prophecy, there's always more you want to know. Uh, We have to go and stick with what we have But it seems to be connected to the fact that one of his heads, as if it had been slain, it's a fatal wound and it's healed. Well, what does that mean? Well, the word slain has the same meaning that we find in reference to the Son of God, uh, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, in chapter 5, verse 6. And so it means literally he will be slain, according to that. The empire, one of his heads is going to bear a mortal wound or the evidence of a mortal wound, the scar that would indicate a mortal wound, something is there if you look down at verse 12 of chapter 13, in the middle of the verse, it says, and he exercises all authority of the first beast, that means the the, the second beast does, referring to the first beast in his presence. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, that's the one we're looking at in Revelation 13, 3, whose fatal wound was healed. That's how he becomes known. is the beast who has the fatal wound that is healed. And so and then there's other verses like this. Chapter 17, verse 8. Uh, and then in verse 11, uh, the beast which was and is not himself an eighth and one of the seventh one of the seventh and goes to destruction. Now, all of this is telling us very clearly that the beast receives a mortal wound. We know that. But what is it actually? Uh, here in verse 3 it says one of his heads was wounded. That leaves us with a bit of difficulty Uh, If you just look at that one verse, it seems to be, well, it could have reference to one of the kingdoms that was destroyed and comes back. That would certainly be a a powerful thing for the world to to be able to understand in the chaos that he is able to bring unity to this one world government, which will be known, or the empire, which will be known as the revived Roman Empire. To be able to say that the Roman Empire, you know, was shattered but it comes back to life, well that would be an amazing miracle. And some people really hold to that and believe that with all their heart. I, I just don't know if that's if that if that's if that's what we're looking at here. I think it's very possible interpretation, but what makes it somewhat difficult is it does make sense and when you read that in there but when you go further, it states that it looks more personal to be a man and not a kingdom. Uh, it doesn't sound more. It doesn't sound like the revived Roman Empire. Uh, it sounds more like a, just an individual. So the Antichrist goes through the first part of the tribulation, perhaps, and is killed. That's really the theory that is projected here by by many. And at that point, there, he's a great world leader, but he comes back to life, and he comes back to life. Uh, as a great world leader, he's now, but now he will be empowered by Satan, uh, uh, the powerful demon from the abyss. Or does he really come back to life? That's the question. Does he die and literally come back to life, resurrected, or is he coming back if the, from perhaps a fake death? Well, we don't know. We, it, there's just, I, I know that if, if you're listening to this, you'd say, well, a lot of people say they know. Well, I know they do. I hear it and read it just like many of you do, but I just don't think that we we can ever really know for sure. I just know that when he takes on the the stage of the world in the halfway through the tribulation period, he will be empowered by a demon from the abyss, and I think he will be most powerful and most dreaded at that particular point. And he will, he will be a unifier of the whole world. Uh but whether or not someone shoots him and he's in the head and he dies and then he's re- brought back to life, I just do not know. Uh, let me read you what uh, one writer write, One writer puts. John MacArthur says this, It may well be this individual deceives the world in some kind of a fake death. I quote, and then he says, I actually have a hard time believing this man will actually die and be raised from the dead because Satan can't do that. But I don't want to say it can't be done because if God chooses to do it, it can be done. And that's where I think I fall right on the same side of that. Sure, I, I think he, he, could be, he could come back to life, especially if God, God would have to allow that and permit that. But you've got to realize that God is giving Satan a lot of leadway here to work through. Uh, uh, he's using Satan as a judgment tool for the world. And so I think he's going to be given a lot of leadway here. Now it does tell us in Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse nine, that the antichrist will win the world over because of his power, his signs, and his wonders. That I read you just a second ago. His power, his signs, and then it says lying wonders. Well, will there be some kind of assassination of the world ruler who has reached this powerful position? And then have a some kind of a resurrection well there's no real evidence of that, but yet it does say that the wound mortal wound is healed. So where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us with the fact that we just don't know but where are there are some things that we do know. now, the fact is he is going to be a ruler, he is going to be empowered by Satan. And he is going to be able to pull off for of the world signs one, and lying, uh, false signs and wonders that the world will believe. In other words, he's going to be a strong personality, convincing personality. And he's going to have all of the satanic power behind him to influence people into believing that. But there's another thing he will have working in his favor. In fact, it's in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, God will send, in verse 10, that with all the deception of wickedness and those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth, verse 11, for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence or a delusion so that they might believe what is false. They are going to believe whatever is told them by this administration or by this person or by the the false prophet, whoever it is, they're going to believe whatever they need to believe. Now, I think the false wonders, as 2 Thessalonians points out, he's going to come into accord with Satan, with uh, activity of Satan with all power, signs, and false wonders. Well, false wonders means they're not really, but the world's going to believe they are. Um uh, they're going to believe he has all of that power and they're going to see that. In fact, it says in Revelation 13, 3, they're going to be amazed and they're going to follow after the beast. Who's the beast? The Antichrist. They're going to follow after him. But notice that he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast. This is talking about the false prophet. And so when we get into Revelation chapter 13, verse 11, and we see the role of the false prophet, it really makes you wonder what's going on here with this. Because remember now, we're looking at this in the future, and we're trying to figure out things that, well, there could be a lot more light given as we get closer to that time. I know we're pretty close now, but we could actually get closer before the rapture happens. But the false prophet is going to have as his Authority and is his job description, so to speak. In verse 12, he exercises all the authority of the first beast and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. But now listen to to what else it says here. And he performs great signs so that he makes even the fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of people or men. Who does that? The false prophet. He does this. And he's drawing attention to the fact of the the beast, the Antichrist, who had a fake or who had a wound and was healed. Now look at what verse 14 says. He deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which was given him to perform in the presence of the beast. Who's the beast? The Antichrist. But look at what it says. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. Well, that's interesting. This false prophet is going to command that the world or the people of the, or whoever's around him to make an image looks just like the beast, the Antichrist. Verse 15, And there was given to him breath, breath to the image of the beast, that the image, now listen to this, might even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So let me tell you something. The the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to take this very serious. There's going to be a very serious situation on the world. If you don't worship or if you don't believe, and that word worship there means to bow down, And we're gonna get into that one in just a minute. But this whole earth will be amazed, they're gonna be fascinated, he will be immediately, he will immediately become an idol to the world. He is going to be attractive. We looked at that last week. Brilliant, charming. He's going to be strong, handsome, astounding powers. Uh, That We even said last week he's going to be a homosexual. That's going to win a lot of favor from people. Uh, And They are so traumatized and so enamored with him that they follow after him. They literally follow after him. That's what verse 3 says. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after him. Why? Why would they do that? Well, because of the influence of Satan, the influence of the demons the influence of the wound and the healing itself. Even if it's fake, the world will believe it. Maybe what is false is the resurrection, and yet the world believes it is really a real resurrection. But look at what verse 4 says. Verse 3 ends with, They were amazed and followed after the beast. Now the outline I gave you, number one is the wound. The wound, we can't say too much about it because we just don't know. There is a mortal wound. Fact. Second fact, it is healed, we think. (laughs) So, I don't know. I mean, it says healed, but it could be a fake thing. So, the second thing on the outline is the worship. Now, the worship is found in verse 4, and it says, And they worshipped the dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan. Because he gave his authority to the beast. He did give his authority to the beast, that's found in verse 2. And the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority to the beast. Okay, so look at what else verse 4 says. And they worshipped the beast, saying, who's the beast? The Antichrist. Saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? So here we have, number one on the outline, the wound of the Antichrist and the healing and then number 2 we have the worship of the antichrist who in the world would worship this man this man is going to have the power to kill and he is going to be a killing machine he's going to be mean he's going to be uh, even in spite of all the other things he is going to bring torture and turmoil to the earth and he's going to have as his one of his main targets believers so if we were in the situation Right today, with that happening, we would be his target, those of us who are believers. Now, the other target will be the Jews. You know, when, verse, when I read verse 4, they worship the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. I wonder, do they know what they're doing? Does the world know that the dragon is Satan and that they're worshiping Satan and they even say, who is like the beast? Well, that's the Antichrist. Who is able to wage war with him? Yes, I think we see here fascination turns to worship. Second Thessalonians 2 4 says the Antichrist takes his seat in the temple. Somewhere in here, at this along this time, the Antichrist, it says in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. He says he opposes and exalts himself above every so called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. They're not going to address him as Mr. Antichrist. They're not going to address him like that, but they are going to worship him. He is not content with a claim, he wants adoration. He's not content with respect. He wants reverence. He's not satisfied to be hailed and and heralded. He wants to be worshipped. That's what this man wants because at the core of his power, at the very influence of his being, he's possessed by one of the highest ranking demons, probably second only to Satan or Lucifer himself. And so verse 4 the people on the earth who will not love the truth, according to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, to be saved. It says. In fact, it says actually, with all the deception of wickedness for those who are perishing, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved, God's going to send a delusion. So they're going to believe this man. Whatever he says, it doesn't really matter what he says. And you can, I mean, your minds can wonder and, and think, man, he can say so many things to deceive the world, and they're going to believe it. I think about today, uh, hearing the news of, of, of what our government, our, our president says. It's like when he finishes speaking, I, my, my first response is, well, I don't believe him. I just don't believe him. Well, let me tell you something. When the Antichrist speaks, the people aren't going to be able to say that. Now, there may be believers saying that. But the unbelievers, the majority of people, will be around these believers, and they are not going to tolerate it. They are going to believe it. Hook, line, and sinker. They worship the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast, and they worship the beast. Reversing that, you could say they worship the beast, and in worshiping the beast, they would worship the one who gave his authority to the beast, namely Satan. So, we're going to have a worldwide group of Satan worshipers, And again, I ask, do they know it? Well, some may, probably most don't. I don't think this is talking about at the end times, there's going to come a worldwide Satan worship uh, where everybody's talking about worshiping Satan. I don't think that's the case here. I think there will be a worldwide worship of the Antichrist, which in effect is actually worshiping Satan. So the worship, by the way, is really the enterprise of the false prophets. And I hate this mention too much about the false prophet. Because we're going to be looking at that in in just a few, probably one week or two weeks. Looking at, at him. But you can't help but draw attention to it because why does he need that? Why does he need a false prophet? Someone who's out there declaring him to be who he is. When he's got all of the influence of the thousands or millions and millions of demons. He's got the influence of Satan himself. He's got the influence of the 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 miracles and the wonders that he's able to to the power that he's able to display. He's got all of that. God sends a strong delusion. What more does he need? Why would he need the the the, the false prophet Well, I've got some some things to give you on that when we get there. I guess you could say this was kind of a a commercial for that. But when we look at this, I I, I really believe that this is going to be a very confusing time. And and that is for believers. You say, well, there won't be any believers. Well, there will be believers. There will be lots of believers. We've already seen through this point uh, of the tribulation period that there will be thousands of people saved. Uh, Just because the rapture happened, remember that when the rapture happens, it takes away all believers at that point. And then from that point on, they become tribulation saints. And so when you look at tribulation saints, will there be many? Absolutely. I I believe there will be a lot of them. But they're going to have to deal with this this power. They're going to have to deal with this one called the Antichrist. They're going to have to deal with his... Uh, In verse 5, there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. Who gave it to him? Well, there's two. Well, you've got Satan gave it to him, but God is allowing Satan to give him power. Wow. In verse 6, he opens his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. He's even going to blast the people in heaven. Imagine being a believer on the earth. You think you better begin to worry about whether you're going to live another day or not? Verse 7, it's given to him. This is a, a powerful verse here for believers to read. Dangerous verse. It was given to him. Who? The Antichrist. To make war with the saints. Who are the saints? These are believers during the tribulation period. But look at what else it says. He was given to it was given to him to make war. I'm going to explain that next week. It was given to him to make war with the saints, to overcome them, and authority over every tribe, people, tongue, and nation was given to him. There's that authority again. He has authority over all the people. All the people of the earth. Well, does he really? Well, I think next week we're going to qualify that just a tad for you so that you can begin to understand just who he has authority and power over. Well, i tell you, uh, this period of time is, is, is going to be a very serious time on earth. I look at the world getting ready. and I, Two days ago, I, I look on the news and I see Russia, Iran, and Turkey, joining hands, joining forces, and I, I I look at Ezekiel chapter thirty-seven and thirty-eight, and I think of the coalition that's going to come against Israel, and I think, oh my goodness, the world is getting set, the stage is getting set. Any way you want to look at it, I've made the mention of this before. It's like the the world is a, a game of chess, and the players are in in position, the board is ready, and action is beginning to happen. The the players are there. Uh, it's, it's like, what is what is left to happen? I want to do a message this week, uh, a, a prophecy update on the coming war with Russia, uh, or Ezekiel 37 and 38. I'm not sure yet what I'll call it, but I want to do that if I can just get the time to put that together. Because let me tell you something the more I read prophecy, the more I study prophecy, the more I read things like I'm reading here. And the, and hear the, 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 the fascination of so many believers over, who is this guy? I mean, they get so excited. It's like, man, the, the people of the earth are not going to be excited when he steps onto the center stage and begins to rule and begins to order the deaths of believers and going after Christians and going after uh, Israel. It's not going to be a pretty picture. So I look at this and I think, my goodness, we're close. Can we get closer? Absolutely. I have no, no idea how much longer the Lord's going to tarry and allow us to, to, uh, to, to be here. And I don't know how much more we're going to see. For example, will we see the, the hook in the jaw or Ezekiel 37 and 38? Will we actually see that happen? I don't know, but it sure looks like we could. That's one of the elements, one of the events of prophecy that I don't think anyone has a clear picture of the timeline of when that happens. And whether we'll see that or not, I just know it's close. And if that's close, the rapture is just as close, or closer. It's just hard to say. So folks, listen. The Bible is very real. The book of Revelation is real. It is a very serious look at prophecy itself. This is what the world is facing. This is what's coming down the pike. This man is going to be a real individual. This is not a Steven Spielberg movie. This is going to be flesh lived out. This is going to be a a, a man standing on the world scene, much worse than Adolf Hitler, much worse than any dictator that has ever been. And we saw that last week. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week, go back and listen to An Evil World Dictator once again, and then come back and hear this one as we get more and more information down upon, about who is this man. Why will the world worship him? Why will they follow him? Remember, the word worship means to bow down. They're going to bow down and worship the man as being God. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for now, this is William Rogers bringing a, a, a very important message out of the Book of Revelation, and I uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, for, and for following along. I know last week we had just a, a number, a record number of people listening, uh, and uh, I get all kinds of responses. If you have a question, please send it to me. Uh, you can do it through the, the website of however you, you do this, whether you picked it up by Spotify, Apple, or by Sermon Audio. You can, uh, you, there's a place to, in order to send me a message. I get messages all the time. So I know it's real and I know it can be done. So anyway, this is William Rogers thanking you so much for listening. You are appreciated. And keep reading your Bible.